You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. So as we continue on in our study of the book of Daniel, a question for you as we get started into, into God's word. You ever had your world expanded? Or to put it another way, ever had a reality check happen in your life? Where you realize life isn't necessarily all about what's right here, but there is a bigger world out there that you are a part of. Of course you have. All of us have had those kinds of moments. I had that kind of moment, actually a couple of them, this last week. And it started with one of my daughters giving me a text that said, Dad, I think your Facebook account got hacked. (laughs) Oh, great. What in the world happened? Now, for disclosure, I check my Facebook regularly, maybe once a year or so, if I need to. So, you know, I'm always on it, no. But I do check it, yes, more than once a year. But I hadn't checked it in a while, and I thought, oh, great, what is, what is going on? So I go to my Facebook page, and sure enough, someone had broken into it, and I realized that most of you probably can't read this, so I'll read it to you. But this is what was posted What I said, okay? My favorite artist is Celine Dion. Who is that? Just kidding. I I know who that is. My favorite artist is Celine Dion. My heart will go on. Rich, rich lyric. So here come the posts. After 27 people say they like this, okay? 27 posts. The first, Jay McKinney. I think she uses the She Reads Truth application. Okay, well, all right, Jay. And then a, a friend, who used to be a friend, I guess, from college. I haven't talked to this guy in 25 years. He posts and says, I like the song, quote, Mr. Messenger Gets Hacked, unquote. <laughs> and then Billy Cash For those of you who don't know who Billy Cash is, he is our former worship leader. He lives in Texas now. And this is what Billy posts. I knew it. I heard you singing that song in your office once, and I think you were crying. (laughs) I talked to Billy, by the way, a couple days ago. We catch up every so often, and I was talking with him. And by the way, he says hi, and that he misses you. And then I rebuked him. For, for Billy, it took you like five seconds to sell me up the river. Thank you so much, friend. And I thought, okay, this is the end of it. And there's more I could show you, but I thought, okay, well, glad that's not ever going to happen again. Two days later, I get a text from someone else, not my daughter this time, saying, I think it happened again. I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. So this is what was posted again. This is what I said. There is no way to adequately express my deep and profound connection with coffee creamer. (laughs) Food, clothing, water, shelter, and creamer. And Marvel. (laughs) Simply because I mentioned some Marvel movies in previous sermons. Okay, 52 likes this time. This is beginning to become a tradition. And people began signing on. One person from Grace said, oh, you left your PC unguarded again, huh? And then someone who some of you may know, her name's Sandra Bame, or Sandy Bame. She and Bill Bame went here for many years and have since moved. I'm not sure where they're at now. They used to be in Idaho. But anyway, she's no longer in the area. But she says, oh, Jay, will you ever learn? <laughs> and, and on it goes, culminating in my own sister, Posting on here, my brother is so weird. (laughs) 
she wouldn't believe me that I didn't write this stuff. So my Facebook gets hacked twice in the same week, and I'm thinking, what is coming next? And then later that week, a couple days ago, actually, later this week, Jay McKinney pokes his head in my office and just smiles (laughs) and then walks away. And we both knew what that meant. Jay McKinney did this. Okay, Jay has gone away on vacation this weekend, but when he gets back, there will be a reckoning. There will be a discussion. In this passage this morning, we're introduced to some spiritual realities. It really is a reality check for for many of us. Because there is a whole nother world of reality that exists out here, that exists beyond you and me and what's in front of us right here. And you may not be tuned into it, you may not be connected to it in your daily living and thinking, you may not even be aware of it, but that doesn't make it any less real or any less present. Like a social media medium that you don't visit very often, it doesn't make it go away, it's still there and it's still real. And that is true of of what we're going to look at here this morning. So if you have a Bible, please open to Daniel chapter 10 if you don't. And you can take out your phone or your tablet and turn it on. But if you don't have access to it, I'll put it up here on the screens behind me and read it to you. We are continuing on in our study of the book of Daniel. And just for a little groundwork here, we're going to begin to look at a final vision that is captured for us in the book of Daniel that that Daniel experiences. And we're going to spend the next three weeks on this vision. Chapter 10 today introduces the vision. Chapter 11 next week, we'll look at what really the vision is all about. And chapter 12, which we'll close out the book with, then then looks ahead to what this, this vision might mean. And with this style of literature, it's symbolic, it's significant, um, it's just, it's really amazing. But, but even in this long introduction in this first chapter, there are some very definitive practical spiritual realities that we're all introduced to. So let's, let's look at this together. So in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, and now he's going to switch the first person, and this is Daniel. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. It kind of reminds us of what we read in Acts, right, when Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, same kind of thing. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, 
You who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And while he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground, and I was speechless. The one who looked like a man touched my lips and opened my mouth and began to speak. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord. I feel weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. And again, the one who looked like a man touched me. And gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, Lord, since you've given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what was written in the book of truth. So let's begin to work our way back through this passage. It tells us it was the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, and that detail matters because it helps us understand some of what must have been going on with Daniel during this time. He's trying to wrap his eyes around, his arms rather, around this vision, but also though at the same time it tells us he's mourning and he mourns for three weeks. He's distressed. He's upset. And what possibly could have been contributing to that? Well, if we do a little historical dating and we look back at history, we know that the first year of Cyrus was 538 B.C. And we also know that during that time, based on a book out of the Old Testament called Ezra, that that is when some of the exiles began to return to the promised land and began to rebuild Jerusalem. And if you begin reading in Ezra and you read all the way up to Ezra 4, Some people who were living in the area come to the Jews, the exiles who have returned, and they offer to help with the wall, and the Jews tell them no. And so despite the Jews, they write a letter to the Persian king and tell them, hey, they're planning trouble here. And so the Persian king then writes a letter back and says, all construction must halt on the rebuilding of the city. And that was profoundly distressing because God had said 70 years and then you're going to be freed. And 70 years come, the people began to be freed. The the city is supposed to be rebuilt and now the work stops. God, what are you doing? How could you allow this to happen? What is is going on? And, and And then this vision. And you begin to think about the trajectory of Daniel's life, just what we see here in the book of Daniel. And you begin to realize there is a lot going on here. For starters, he is trying to understand. Have you ever been in a season in your life where you're just trying to make sense out of things? You're just trying to understand what's going on. God, what, how could this happen? Why is this happening? And so it tells us he's fasting. And that's functionally what this is describing as a fast. No choice food, no, no meat or wine, no, no lotions. You know, it's not like 
a day off or a weekend where you choose not to shower or, you know, maybe shave or whatever because it's your day off. This is, this is all trying to position himself to hear the voice of God. And, and that's all that fasting really is. It, it isn't us trying to get God's attention. It's making sure that God has ours so that we can listen and hear for his voice. That, that's what fasting is. It's designed to be a tool to, to assist us in hearing the voice of God and seeing his work and, and understanding. And so Daniel's practicing this. And by the way, we have multiple examples of godly men and women culminating in Jesus himself who fasted as a way of deeper intimacy with, with God. And so here's Daniel doing this as well because he's just trying to make sense out of what's going on. And you think about his life in exile for 70 years. That is a really long time. When is the last time you waited 70 years for something? His life has been in danger multiple times. He's in a foreign culture. He's lost everything, his land, his home. His people thought they had lost even their God. He survives three regime changes, three different kings. I mean, his life has been difficult. And it really brings us face to face with the reality that, that faithfulness is, is difficult. It is hard to be faithful. And so here's Daniel praying, and, and instead of getting the answer that he thinks he'll get, God sends him an angel, which is just crazy. And, and this angel that's described here is magnificent overpowering, overwhelming. Again, we don't have a frame of reference for what it would be like to see an angel, but in Scripture, when they show up, you are on your face on the ground. You can't move. You can't talk. You feel weak. You feel overwhelmed because you're in the presence of this incredible angelic being. And what's really interesting is the description here is very, very close to the description given to us in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation in chapter 1. Very similar description, only that's talking about Jesus. And most scholars believe this, this wasn't Jesus. For instance, why did he need Michael's help? Where he describes that at the end of this passage that we just read. But nevertheless, a powerful, overwhelming spiritual presence here. And it puts Daniel on his, on his knees. You see, faithfulness is difficult. Because sometimes it feels like God is taking the long way around. You ever felt like that in your life? I mean, think about Daniel's life. Over and over again, he's praying to God, trying to understand what God is doing, and how many times does he not get the answer he's looking for? In fact, over and over again, he gets more than he bargained for. I mean, he's, he's praying for understanding, and God sends him an angel, which is pretty cool, but that isn't exactly what Daniel was asking for. And he's not going to tell him what Daniel was necessarily asking for. You know, last week, Sean talked about the reality of faithfulness being a long obedience in the same direction. What, what, what are those things in your life where God is asking you to have a long obedience in the same direction? Those things that you know you need to be faithful to, but man, it's hard. You don't want to. You're not sure you can. I mean, think about who you're praying for. 
What about that, that person in your life who has walked away from Jesus? And they continue to do that. Or that person you really want to know Jesus, to experience him the way you have and you do, and they refuse to believe the gospel, they, they don't want anything to do it, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. How do you remain faithful when that's what's going on? Or even when, when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you thought, why, why pray at all? I mean, really, if, if we can be honest, why, why pray at all? Why did Daniel pray? God didn't answer his prayers most of the time the way he was expecting him to. Sometimes he didn't even get an answer at all. Because at the end of the day, prayer, prayer matters. It, it really, really does. And actually, that's part of what's on display here in this passage. In a recent poll by the Pew Association, 63% of people who say they know and love Jesus say they pray on a regular basis. So about two-thirds of people who are Christians who claim to be Jesus followers say that they will, will pray on a daily basis. Okay, that's good. What about the other third, third who don't pray? Or with that two-thirds, how do you keep praying when you don't get the answers that you, that you think you should have? And what's amazing is that God acts on his own. God acts independently of our prayers, but we cannot lose sight of the reality that God also responds to our prayers. Do you realize those angels would not have come if Daniel hadn't prayed? That's why they came. He wasn't praying for angels. He was just praying to understand what was going on in his life, but God sends angels instead. You see, God is relationally responsive to us. He wants us to see him. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to understand him. And he wants us to trust him, even when it seems like we shouldn't, even when it seems like we can't. James chapter 5 says, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Do you believe that? Instead of asking what prayers has God not answered, let's put the shoe on the other foot. What prayers has he answered? What prayers has God answered in your life recently? Now, in fairness, we'll all go through those seasons where oh, it's kind of hard to think of something. It doesn't necessarily mean we aren't praying, but, but God does answer prayer. And I've been vividly reminded of this in the context, really, of what we were talking about last week with Sean. Sean challenged us as dads, for those of us who are dads, who are fathers, to lead our families. And one of the ways that you lead your family's dads is by praying for them, by serving them, and by praying for them. One of the most impactful things you can do as a dad to lead your family is to pray. Pray for your family. Pray for your kids. And this doesn't just apply to dads. It applies to all of us. Prayer really does matter. I was thinking about our, our kids who are now all young adults. And when they were little, little, little guys, Jamie and I began to pray some very specific prayers for them. With, with one child, we saw that this child had a remarkable sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, able to just discern what, what's, what's godly and what's not and 
and, and what really aligns with what the Lord wants and what doesn't. So we begin to pray for this child that God would take that and make it a gift in her life, that he would deepen it and expand it. And we genuinely believe we see her living this out now as a young adult. She has a gift of discernment. She has a, I put my cards on the table, you know I've narrowed that down who it is, right? This child is, is very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This next child we saw had a, had a really resilient faith and trust in God. And so we begin to pray for them that regardless of what happened in their lives, they would always anchor themselves to Jesus. And that has been tested in the last couple of years in this young adult's life. This young adult has had some things that have happened in their life and we've gone, mm, boy, how are they going to do with this? How are they going to respond? And there is this, this tough, resilient faith that just keeps surfacing. It just, it just keeps bubbling up. We get bits and pieces here and there and we go, wow, that is so cool. And then our other child, this, this, this kid always seemed to be in a place of influence and leadership. Not necessarily because they sought it, but just because others looked to them and they had, they had influence. And so we began to pray, God, would you take that and make this, this child into a godly leader? And, and this child is a leader, this young adult now. God has taken that and is using that in their, in their life. They're in positions of, of influence um, that have already been established for this next year. And we're going, wow, that is so very cool. They are in a place to be an example for Christ and to impact other people as a leader. Now, here's a question for you. Did we pray those things into existence with our kids? Did we do that? No. And yes. God did the work, but we also did the work of being faithful to look at those qualities and to ask God to deepen them, and he has. Now, does that mean when you pray for something like that, you're always going to get what you want? No. Does that mean that everything we prayed for in our kids' lives has happened? No. But God is relationally responsive. No one wants to bless your life more than God does. So why wouldn't we be intentional with what we pray for one another, what we pray for those in our, in our lives? But there's a whole other reality we're introduced to in this passage. And it underscores the reality that prayer matters, and it's this. There is a whole other world out there that we need to understand and that we need to do business with. Why did Daniel fast for three weeks before the angel showed up? It's because the angel couldn't get to him wasn't his fault. He was trying to. This angel was in a battle. He was in a fight. The prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. I was detained there with the king of Persia. We know by language and by context, this is not talking about a human being. This is talking about a spirit being. This is a snapshot into what happens all the time, and it's spiritual warfare. Our prayers matter because spiritual warfare is, is real. And this is a very vivid picture of it. And there are some of us, if we're honest, because of our naturalistic bent, we'll hear that and we'll go, really? 
Or we think of Satan as, well, he's the guy with the red suit and the pitchfork who goes around. Yeah, you know, that's really naive. It just, it's biblically naive. It's, it's absolutely not true. Spiritual warfare is real. And without opening a, a can of worms that we can't close, we need to understand the reality of that and that our prayers matter. Because of verses like this in, out of the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, it says, For our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Understand this is written corporately to the church in Ephesus. So this is speaking to us as a church, not just as individuals. So with that being said, what does it not mean? And what are we not seeing here with Daniel? Daniel is not praying against demons. And he's not praying to angels. He's praying to God. And really, there aren't examples of those other things. We're told to pray to God. In, in scripture, and that's definitely something we take away from here, but we have to understand there's more at stake than what we see going on right in front of us. Like a social media page that maybe you get a glimpse of every so often, it doesn't make it go away when you're not thinking about it or you're not tuned into it or you're not signed on to it. Spiritual warfare is real, and our prayers matter because this relationally responsive God is, is building his kingdom, and he invites us to join him in that. But it's interesting here how Daniel responds to this, this whole vision. This angelic being shows up and he is flat on his face. He's trembling on his knees. He's overcome with anguish. He feels weak. The angel gives him strength. And the angel gives him strength again. And the angel gives him strength again. And I think there's something here for us. Throughout God's word, he tells us that he is the one who gives us strength. Daniel, at this point in his life, is about 83 years old. So here's this 83-year-old man encountering this angel. And any one of us would, would be on our face before him. But it literally saps him, and he doesn't feel adequate for what God is wanting him to do through what this angel is about to communicate to him. You ever feel like you're not adequate for what's going on in your life? what's on your plate, what you're up against. One of my most favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, where Paul very ironically says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. When I'm weak, I'm strong, which just sounds weird. It's crazy. But, but it's true. If you know Jesus, you have his spirit of empowerment in your life. And we have to remember, God's grace is more than just forgiveness. God's grace is more than protection from sin, as if that wasn't enough. God's grace also means empowerment. Empowerment to live the life that he calls you to live. Even when you don't feel like it, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when it costs you something, he gives you the power to live the very life he calls you to. Over and over again, you see God strengthening men and women of God throughout his word, and he wants to do that for you. The question really isn't, will God strengthen you for what you need to do what he calls you to do? The real question is, will you believe it? Will you believe him when he says he will? 
Because again, we see this God, he doesn't necessarily do things our way or in our timing. It feels like most of the time it's the 11th hour, it's the final minute, it's the final moment, and then he gives you what you need. And that's oftentimes how, how he works. So, not to pick on you dads, but just to build on what we talked about last week. So how are you going to lead your family? Have you seen the bar that you're called to as a godly dad? How in the world are you going to do that? Let's spread the wealth here. Moms, how are you going to be a godly mom? Have you seen the bar that's been set for you? Or for those of you who are employees, how are you going to be a godly employee? How are you going to show up and navigate relationships that are really difficult or work at a job that you don't particularly want to do? Or as a student, how are you going to be the kind of student that God wants you to be to to work hard and to be faithful when you don't feel like it? And I know you're out of school now, but... School's coming again, right? You could apply this to any relationship in your life, any of the hats you wear. Will you believe that God will give you the strength to do what he calls you to do? And at the end of the day, is it, is it worth it? In the spirit of honesty and authenticity, is it, is it really worth it? Sometimes it feels like it's not. But what does this angel say to Daniel? You who are highly esteemed. You who are highly esteemed. This has echoes of what the father said to Jesus. This is my son whom I love. Which is basically what's being said here. Can you imagine what it would be like for God to say that to you? You who are highly esteemed. I think for many of you, he does and will. I think this is a church filled with Daniels. Many of you are Daniel. You're faithful. You show up. You're not flashy, which you don't need to be. You serve. You do the heavy lifting of trusting and believing and serving and loving. All which honors God You make a commitment and you actually keep it. You say you're going to do something and you follow through and you you do. You trust the Spirit. You listen to God. You are part of the two-thirds who pray on a regular basis. And on it goes. So is is that you? Are you you a Daniel? Do you know a Daniel? Daniel. I know a number of Daniels. But there's one in particular in my life who, who's really on my mind. Today is her 80th birthday, and it is my mother-in-law. But some of you don't know why that's significant. It's a big deal for anyone to live that long. But, but there's a story that I think you need to hear, a Daniel story. Because you see, about 28 years ago, my mother-in-law got cancer and they treated it and then the cancer came back again and they began to do surgery to see what they could do and they they did um, do some surgery on her but for the most part they, they sewed her back up because the cancer was too widespread 
And the oncologist who was a believer, who actually went to our church, came out and, and told my wife's family, there's just a number of weeks, he was white as a sheet and said, there's just, there's nothing we can do. That was 28 years ago. A week later, they did a scan of my mother-in-law, and all the cancer that was malignant was now benign. And the same oncologist came out and said, I've been an oncologist for my whole adult life, deep man of God. And he said, you have to understand, this is a class A miracle. God has done a miracle. And now 28 years later, we celebrate today that my mother-in-law is 80 years old. But the other part of the miracle that you need to know is that my mother-in-law is a Daniel. Because when they did that surgery, and I will spare you the details, because they didn't think she was going to live long, they just did what they had to to sustain her life, but not to prolong it. So every day of these last 28 years, daily living is profoundly difficult for my mother-in-law. If it were me, I would be complaining You would all know about it, believe me. It would be on my Facebook. I would be the one posting it. She never complains. You never know. And she is a prayer warrior. I am absolutely convinced that our kids are Jesus followers today in no small part because of the prayers of a Grammy who loved them and has faithfully prayed for them decade after decade after decade. Not flashy, but profoundly faithful. And that's what Daniels are. And that's what you can be. Through the power of God's Spirit, you can live the life that He calls you to. And yes, sometimes it's difficult. And yes, sometimes your prayers won't get answered the way you think they will. And sometimes it just feels like they don't get answered. But, but they will. Because He loves you. And he responds to you. And we are in a war that oftentimes is completely outside our frame of reference. But it is a war. And lives are at stake and it matters how we live our lives. You are the only Jesus follower that some people know. So it matters that you're faithful. And there will be times you will feel like you cannot do what God's calling you to do. Count on it. But he will give you strength. Maybe not in the way you think he should. Maybe not in the timing that you think he should or when he should. But he will. He promises that. So will you believe him? Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.